could go down now to Stater Brothers down the street and buy a container of salt for a couple bucks. It's so plentiful and inexpensive, but that wasn't always the case. There are times in human history where you, can exchange, you could exchange an ounce of salt for an ounce of gold. It was considered a very precious and valuable resource. Cities were often built next to salt mines. It was often used in place of money to purchase things. Wars were fought over salt supplies. The richest man in history, not Bill Gates or Elon Musk, but a man named Mansa Musa I of Mali built his vast wealth by cornering the salt market in the 14th century. The word salary comes from the Latin word for salt. Jesus says to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Now the value of salt was first to preserve meat. Remember, they didn't have refrigeration back then or for most of human history. So you were able to have an animal you either hunted or slaughtered. You wanted the meat to not spoil in a few days. You needed to salt it. And of course, and we still appreciate this, salt is used to season food. To preserve the good that God has put into this world, which is always threatened by the decay of sin. To add beauty and joy to season life. And so we can say with the psalmist, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. We want light these days. We just flip on a switch. We know that this comes from electricity. And um, that's how we have light, especially important in the night, to light up our homes, our businesses, our streets. For much of human history, uh, light was provided by oil lamps. Oil lamps were invented 70,000 B.C. Oil lamps were the first item to be mass-produced. This was very valuable and precious to be able to have light at night. And Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. Light is a symbol of truth and goodness. To see what is there. To be able to walk with confidence according to the truth. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is going to say something which seems to contradict this. Remember, we're going to hear this again on Ash Wednesday in a few weeks. When you pray, don't pray on the street corner. Right? When you fast, don't appear to be fasting. When you give alms, don't blow a trumpet and let everyone know you're giving alms. Do these things in secret that your Father may reward you in secret. So it seems like a contradiction, but, but this can easily be reconciled. Certainly there are some things, good things we should do only for God to see. But there are many good things that we will do that are meant to be seen by others, not so that we get credit or people think well of us, but why, Jesus says. So they may glorify your Father in heaven. That is to draw attention to God, to get people to think about God who is the source of goodness and to attract them to the church so that they can connect with that source. And what are these good deeds that, that Jesus wants us to do and he wants them to be seen? In our first reading, it describes some of them. The Lord instructs his people to feed the hungry, to shelter the homeless, to clothe the naked. These are positive goods that we are to do. And also to avoid evil. We're told to remove oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech. I tried as preparing this homily to find 
a source that would summarize all of the good done by the Catholic Church throughout the world, and I could not find it. And in fact, I don't think anyone has actually been able to calculate it. I found some statistics. So there are 217,000 Catholic schools in the world serving over 60 million students. The Catholic Church is the largest non-government provider of healthcare in the world, with 18,000 clinics, 16,000 homes for elderly and those with special needs, and 5,500 hospitals. 65% of all these are located in the developing world. I couldn't find statistics on all the food banks, the homeless shelters, the drug treatment programs, the counseling, the clean water projects. <laughs> I mean, just in our parish alone, and these would never be captured in any research or statistics, you know whether it's our food for family or mental health ministry, whether it's something as beautiful and as simple as our parish crafters who make crafts uh, by hand that are given to the homebound, our parish quilters that make these beautiful quilts and we tie them and offer our prayers. I can't tell you how much I've heard from people what this meant to them when they were sick to be able to have one of these quilts. Not only are they beautiful, but all the prayer that was put into those quilts. And this is, I mean, I'm not even mentioning, you know, uh, 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 the entirety of what we do in our parish. So imagine all the parishes throughout the world, all the good that is done. There's also research in which they compare services offered by faith-based organizations with those offered by the government. And they find universally that those offered by faith-based organizations are more effective on a dollar-per-dollar -dollar basis than services offered by the government. And even when you think of government services, what governments have really done is essentially they adopted and continued models that were put in place by the Catholic Church for many centuries. Sadly, this is not what most people think of in our country when they think of the Catholic Church. Media coverage has tended to focus on scandal and wrongdoing. There have been decades of heavy reporting on clergy abuse even though public school teachers commit more abuse. In a way, this disproportionate coverage of the church's failings is a backhanded compliment. The pagans that run our media hold the Catholic Church to a higher standard. And we should be held to a higher standard because we are supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's not just Catholic Christians, so many non-Catholic Christians who have an abundance of good works. I had a meeting with some Protestant pastors in the area on Thursday and kind of a sharing what's going on in our faith communities. And one of them was sharing, a, he has a, he's pastor of a small church, but they have an upcoming event, a prom for teenagers with special needs. And I think he said they were going to have 175 of the teenagers at the prom. And they have something like 230 volunteers so that they can all get loving attention as part of this event. There was a poor woman who lived in the inner city and it was during the hot summer days everyone would keep their windows open and people could hear what was happening in the home next to them. One of her, her neighbor was an atheist and often they would get in disagreements about whether God exists. And one day the woman, she would pray, she had such faith, she would pray aloud to God, you know, so that Atheist neighbor could hear her and it always bothered him. And, and one day she would ask God for her needs. One day she was asking God for, for groceries. She said, Lord, I don't, I don't think I'll have enough money to buy groceries this week. Please, Lord, provide me with some groceries. 
The atheist neighbor had an idea. He thought he was going to show her that God doesn't exist. So we went to the grocery store and he bought some groceries, a few bags, and he put them at our doorstep. He rang the bell and then he went and hid behind the corner. She walked out, she opened the door, she saw the groceries. What did she do? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, you are so good. At that moment, the atheist neighbor jumped out from behind the corner. He said, ha, it wasn't God who gave you those groceries. It was me. I bought you those groceries. The woman prayed, continued her prayer. She said, Lord, you are so good. Not only did you provide me groceries, but you made this fool neighbor of mine pay for them. <laughs> because, listen, how do people know the goodness of God? I mean, they can. They can, obviously. We can experience goodness of God just through nature and all of the, of, the, of the good things in the natural world. But the primary way we are to know the goodness of God is through others, through their goodness and love. Right? That's how we are to know the goodness of God. Especially those of us who are disciples of Jesus, because Jesus is the fullness of God's goodness in the world, and Jesus continues his presence and his mission through his church. That's what we're here for. Again, to be salt of the earth and light of the world. Many people doubt the goodness of God. In fact, that's why they doubt God even exists. A little while ago, we were having an evening prayer event here. An outside group does here uh, once a month, an evening of recollection for women, and I was helping hear confessions. And A young woman walked in, maybe she was about 20, she didn't know what she was doing. I asked her, when was the last time you went to confession? She said, I've never been to confession before. I said, are you Catholic? She said, no. I said, well, okay, we're going to have a talk. I can't, really, I can't really hear your confession if you're not a Catholic, but we can, we can talk. So, so, so we chatted. And, um, and so she was having difficulty believing in, in God. And we had a little conversation. And um, It turned out, she said, but you know, there's so, much, uh, there's so much evil in the world. And she herself was going through a hard time. And so that was especially acute for her. And, um, and so, I think she was experiencing, though, in this crisis in her life, someone invited her to that evening of recollection. Someone who really loved her. Someone who cared for her. And this is how she was experiencing the goodness of God. I explained to her, you know, that one of the reasons God allows evil in the world is precisely so that we have a chance to be courageous. To be merciful. Uh, that, in a way, that's only possible if there is, you know, if there's a lack of those things, right? That, that it calls it forth from us. Uh, and, so, and so this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? So God is, for many people, again, it's, it seems um, like the world is, mm, you know, it's, uh, it's decayed and it's dull. But there is salt, there is salt that preserves and seasons. For many people, it seems that their lives are darkness, they're confused, they don't know what to do. But there is light. So let your light shine, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.